You are listening to the Alouette's Flight Deck, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. All right, folks, we've been clear for takeoff. And welcome to Alouette's Flight Deck, podcast dedicated to Montreal Alouette's football, presented by Tarps Apparel. I am your host, Tim Kepper, along with the guy on the other side. I know I've used that so many times this year, but you know what? Sometimes that's all I can, can, can come up with. Cliffy D, how are you, man? I'm doing good. Man, no more 80s TV shows to reference? Well, I'm, I'm, it's it's hard. You know, with, you know, we're lucky enough to get Tarps Apparel. And by the way, we, we just, we props to them and thanks to them. We, we got our shirts today. Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing what what they look like. Cliff sent out uh, sent me a, a picture on on text. They look really nice. So soon you will see you will see the guys from the Alouette's flight deck in our new sponsor merch, and we'll wear it proudly. Obviously, absolutely. Um, it, it, it's it's hard to do when you add in just you know just those four words of presented by Tarps Apparel or any sponsor. It, it throws off, and you know this. How many times? But when we when they first came on, that I had problems just redoing the intro. It, it, this, <laughs> so this is true. The outtakes were pretty hilarious. Oh yeah, yeah. So it's like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll 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 try to figure out a way to. I, I have more time to bring it back in. So, um, <laughs> you know, just just yeah. So you you surprisingly you uh, surprised me, and you ended up going to Hamilton to watch the Owls play this weekend. I did actually. It was uh, kind of a, a game time decision, which. Uh, Seems to permeate a lot of my uh, road trips because I I hate planning in advance. So I just kind of wing it and I seem to have fun no matter what. So that's kind of my mindset is just go and have fun. And let me tell you, had a great time. Like just be able to go and tailgate with some really awesome people. Uh, Shout out to uh, all my uh, all my friends out in Hamilton, especially the the lovely ladies of 905 Alive. uh, Little group there of awesome, awesome Tiger Cats fans. They showed us the love. They took care of us. Uh, they welcomed us into their home, so to speak, at Tim Hortons Field, and we just had an absolute blast. And uh, let me tell you, uh, Tim Hortons Field, great place to watch a football game. Uh, Hamilton, if you've never been to Hamilton, uh, you, all the jokes aside about you know Steel City and just you know it being the place that fun forgot or anything like that. Nah, nah. So <laughs> this is a this is a football city. You talk about. Like people, like fans that are passionate about football, th- this is the city to to just go there and just watch a football game. And I tell you what, like that that Eastern final that's coming up on Sunday, it is going to be rocking because this was a nothing game and people were still having a blast and having fun. There's a lot of chirping back and forth between Alouettes fans and uh, and Tiger Cats fans. I can only imagine what it's going to be like this Sunday when the Tiger Cats hosts the BC Lions. It, this place, as the kids say, is going to be lit. Yeah, yeah. It's it, it seemed to, you know, it seemed even though considering it, it was a basically what it what amounted to a preseason game and whatnot. But look, it, you know, you look like you had fun. Now, by the way, and I don't even know if you thought about this because this is something that I thought that you would have mentioned to me. Uh, well, Mister uh, Cliffy D Pine, you got you were you got to see all of the Alouettes wins this season. Did you not? Uh, almost all of them. Who who didn't you see? 
I didn't see the the win against the Ottawa at TD Place. I did go to TD Place this year, oh, but unfortunately it was a loss. Game. I had the wrong game. Okay, I thought you were there for that game. Okay. But I was, yeah, you think about it. I was at four of the five victories yeah. for the Alouettes this season. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I know the team's listening, but, I mean, good luck charm over here. I mean, uh, if you, you want to hook your boy up with, uh, you know, both of us really with, uh, you know, Get us on that charter plane when you guys go on the road. I mean, we'll bring the karma. We'll bring the good juju. Especially with this new era. You know, you want you, you want hype men? You got your hype men right here. Yeah. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Ladies and gentlemen, your new touche mascot, Cliffy D. Pine. Because <laughs> my head's not big enough, right? Is that what you're trying to say? Is that what you're trying to tell hey, me, Tim? You, you'd be, you'd be, you'd be, you know what? Being in that studio, I'm sure you could come, become very svelte. Very trim, and you know, just waste away those pounds. There yeah. you go. I don't need. I don't need no Tybo. Yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, overall, as I said, the, the game we've got quite a few things to talk about. Uh, we're lucky to get uh, TSN six ninety Joey Alfieri. He's going to be coming in a little bit, and we're going to talk a little bit about the Alouettes. Um, but the let's talk about the game itself, Cliff. I mean, uh, the regular season finale for the Alouettes. They uh, they do beat the Hamilton Tiger Cats uh, barely thirty twenty eight. On a last-second miss by the uh, by the Tiger Cats at the buzzer, uh, Hillary, I see even I can't do it. Hiram missed his kick, <laughs> <laughs> um, and but there were still a, a couple of very questionable things that I, that I know both of you and I want to talk about. The, the Alouettes went uh, with three quarterbacks in the game. Johnny Manziel, what got? Uh, just a short amount of reps, what seemed to be a preseason amount of reps, four or five on a great drive, by the way, got one uh, touching, uh, one touchdown passing. You'd never know this was episode, episode 25, 25 the way I'm talking right now. Um, Pipkin uh, did the best of the two Alouettes, court, uh, three Galabets quarterbacks, eight of 15, 217 and one. Uh, and Matt Schultz came in and was three of five, 34 yards and an interception on a ball that should not have been passed. That ball should not have been thrown. Um, for the Tiger Cats, it was a, the CFL uh, starting debut for Evans. Uh, he went 22 of 37, 315, 2 and 2. Uh, leading rusher for the Alouettes was uh, Stanbeck, only six attempts, 31 yards. Uh, for the Tiger Cats, it was White, uh, nine attempts, 88 yards. Leading receiver for the Alouettes, Eugene Lewis. But William Stanbeck was not far behind. Uh, but Eugene, dude, he only did it on two receptions, 105 yards, two TDs. Stanbeck had five for 103. Leading receiver for the Tiger Cats was uh, Jones, seven, uh, sorry, five receptions, 124, 114 yards, and a TD. Um, and, yeah, I mean, uh, defense did okay. We still gave up way too many sacks. <laughs> it's been the story of the season for that O-line, man. But Some were, things never change. <laughs> yeah. Um, before we talk talk about overall with the team, but there, there were some really some questionable plays that basically gave almost gave the the Hamilton Tiger Cats the game. Yeah, absolutely. I I, I think a lot of it. I, I don't want to place blame necessarily, but and, and again, let's let's not forget the fact that Matthew Schultz has been injured for most of the season, and when he's come in, he hasn't really been given a chance to gel with the. Uh, with the offense, so we're we are, you almost have to sort of take with a grain of salt his efforts this season in in 2018. I mean, he's done the best he could with a limited roster, so to speak, or a, little, a limited opportunity, I should say. Uh, 
but you were absolutely right. The uh, his interception was just uh, uh, that could have really killed the Alouettes right there, and their hopes of having that fifth win of the season. Uh, really, truly though, like this defense had to really step up in that regards, and yeah. even then, like just to just the fact that. Uh, Hamilton came very close. I mean, a 49-yard field goal by Hyrulahu would have iced the game because it was literally a buzzer beater at that point. Yes, it was. Thankfully, though, the kick just sort of sailed to the left, and Logan took it out, and that's your ball game. So uh, a couple other plays, too. Like, just the defense. This defense is looking good. It, all things considered, the secondary, I think, really has stepped up and really made made things happen this these past couple of games. I mean, it's almost too little too late, and... In that regards, but they, I felt, really played a strong game, especially Jermaine Robinson with a, a pick as well. Uh, our friend of the podcast, Greg Reed, yeah. with a nice pick as well. So, yeah. I mean, this secondary, I think there's definitely some nice pieces here. And it's just a matter of giving these guys the opportunity and they recognize that they've got their chance to really make make a mark, make an impact in this league. And they're taking full advantage of it. I mean, even if this is a losing team, like the fact that they're able to step up when, when their number is called, they're able to step up and make plays happen is absolutely fantastic. And this does bode well, as far as I'm concerned, for the future of the Alouettes. It's just now a matter of, we know what these guys can do. It's just, are they going to get the opportunity to do so? And are they going to get the right coaching for them to take their game pretty much to the next level for 2019? Yeah, you look at the overall stats too. I mean, Hamilton basically led in, in, all, op, in, in, in all categories. Uh, you know, 10 more first downs. Uh, for second down percentage alone, the Owls are only 5 of 17. Hamilton was 15 of 28. That's more than 50% on second down. Um, again, Alouettes and their penalties this year, absolutely brutal. 14 of them for 115. Um, you know, but the funny thing is, usually they say if you win the turnover battle, you're going to win, and that's exactly what the Owls did. They, you know, they, they were a plus three on the night, uh, even though they had held the ball for, uh, for almost 10 minutes less. Now, to me, Cliff, really, the two plays that tip, that really stood out, and I think that really almost cost the Owls the game, were two two specific things. One was the uh, was the going for two uh, when the uh, when was it uh, they were going for two? Why did they go for two in that game? I don't understand that one. Um, Try to think after which touchdown did they try to go for two here? Um, looking, 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 trying to find it. Can't find it, but <laughs> they did. They, they they tried to go for two on a play, right? Yeah, I'm just, I, I just don't remember which touchdown it was. But th- th- I think for one, we don't know why they went for two on that play because you know right there, if you know if Hamilton had kicked that field goal, that a that would have done it right there. That would have tied the game up if if they had kicked that field goal. Um, mm-hmm. The second thing that I that I cannot believe that really ticked me off and and was the horrible clock management at the end of the first half. You have the ball within the, within the red zone, and you have, I think it was, oh, was 15, 10 seconds, something like that, six seconds, whatever it was, and they run a play, and then the clock runs out without them getting a chance to try to kick a field goal. That, that missed opportunity and that horrible clock management could have cost the Owls the game right there too. So that's, that's basically four points that the Alouettes... Uh, you know, left on the field, but they got you know, I, you know, uh, they got the luck with them. They got mm-hmm. you know, they they missed the Hamilton missed the kick at the end of the game. So I mean, exactly. I, I I just don't understand what when you saw what they did at the end of the half there. I mean, look at they were trying to score a touchdown, but 
from you being there, what, what was your what was your view of, of what do you think they were thinking when it came to that last play of the first half? Yeah, I definitely felt that it was a big disconnect as far as trying to get the plays out to the to the guys on the field and for them to be able to execute because you're absolutely right. The clock management was just uh, left a lot to be desired. Let's put it that way. And you'd think after essentially this being his 18th game as a head coach, you'd think Mike Sherman would have it down just down pat just a little bit more just to really pay attention to the clock. Uh, and you can make all the excuses you want about, uh, you know, 20 second clock and how things move fast in the CFL and blah, blah, blah. But that's your job to know that. And again, if Mike Sherman does come back as head coach in 2019, I really hope he spends the offseason not participating in like uh, these kind of uh, makeshift football leagues and things like that. I really hope he pays his sole focus is to become a much better coach and really immerse himself into the Canadian game itself to really cut down on a lot of these mistakes. A lot of these stuff you can sort of brush off as growing pains and he's still learning the position like, well, fine. If you want to make this first year, give him a pass for the first year, then so be it. But this offseason like these are the, the kind of things and a lot of the play calling too i still felt was very nfl style and it doesn't always translate to the canadian football league so he's really got to focus on really immersing himself and really becoming a cfl coach if that's mm-hmm. what he's serious about if he's serious about really wanting to lead this team yeah. and be successful then he has to make himself a cfl head coach not an nfl coach that's dabbling in cfl or other other leagues he's got to be focused on this 100 percent that's that's all there's to it the the two-point convert was was on their second touchdown of the uh of the second quarter with about give or take about three minutes left in the uh three minutes left in the the half that's when they tried the two-point convert yeah and so again like little things like this i mean in, in grand scheme of things especially this particular game who cares but God forbid if this was like if this kid had playoff implications, like th- these the kind of mistakes wouldn't be forgiven so easily. Yeah. So this is why I'm saying that Coach Sherman, if he is going to come back next season with his with his staff, then he's he's got to be all in. That's you know, he's had his learning curve. He's had his paying his dues, whatever you want to call it. He He's done that. Now he's got to be focused 100 percent on being the best possible coach for a Canadian Football League team. Mm-hmm. No, I, I agree. Um, also. Um, when let me had something else here that I was that I was looking at. did I did I close yes I did <laughs> no <laughs> um yeah I I just I just don't know I I mean trying those two plays I think he would have gone for the field goal when they should have you know Sherman he's been here as I said for here for eighteen games so he should not be trying he, he should be learning he should have already technically learned the game it's just a matter of you know you were a head coach for all these seasons there are still some things that are similarities between the CFL game and the NFL game it's still football it's just on a, on a longer field and a wider field, you know, with an extra man and, and a couple of guys in motion. So it's, I, I don't know, dude. I, I really don't. It's just, I just hope that he get he does get things in, in gear, as you said. And, and um, just like Manziel, I hope would do in the offseason is just concentrate on the CFL. Concentrate on the game. If you are if you are going to be back, then just concentrate on the game and and uh, uh, see what 2019 is going to bring to you. What was your thought, by the way, of the Alouettes uh, going to, going with three quarterbacks in the game? At this point, what the hell? You, you've got nothing to lose. I mean, like I said, this is essentially, as you, you would put it, a preseason game of sorts. Uh, Hamilton was going to be resting all of their starters. We knew that right off the bat. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, like this really was, this is the kind of game where you really truly throw stuff against the wall and see what sticks. So 
yeah, I mean, let Johnny play because, again, people want to see Johnny Manziel. They want to see what he can do. So, you know, he, he, as a result, it gives him the win. So bully for him. Uh, Pipkin, I think it was – I have to wonder. He got the lion's share of the playing time. He so did. I'm wondering if it really is a concerted effort to make him – really get get him believing that he's going to be the future of the Southwest franchise as far as quarterback goes. Uh, Schiltz, I mean, would have been nice to see him get a, a few more reps as well. But the fact, just the fact that he was able to get on the field and sort of, you know, get, get that feeling again. Because let's not forget, this time last year, he started the game in Hamilton. Yep. And yep. It, it was not pretty. Now, again, the entire Alouette season was not pretty in 2017. Uh, but the fact that Schiltz, uh, Schiltz and Pipkin both played last year's game and also played this year's game, I felt was significant. And I think a good feeling for them to be able to actually get out there and be part of a winning effort. I think that's really good for the psyche. I really think that was good for them to just remind them just how important it is to cherish every moment that you're on the football field. And mm-hmm. I think if this doesn't light a fire under both of them, because I know last year, remember we talked with Matt and he said that both he and Pipkin were training together during the off season. Yeah, yeah. I imagine that's going to be the same thing this year. And maybe you just, knowing that both of them were both on the field and they were both able to say, hey, we walked out of there with a win, and that feels good. That is true, Cliff. I mean, uh, one thing I can say, too, by the way, is that uh, the Alouettes, you know, with their 30-28 to 28 win, uh, it's hard to believe that that's the first time that the Alouettes have scored 30-plus points, Cliff, in two straight games for the first time in, since 2012. That's cra- that's crazy. But, you know, the back then, that, that during that streak, the Alouettes had scored in four, 30, 30 plus points in four straight games back then. So it's, and uh, yeah. And by the way, and I know we're gonna have Joey on here in a few minutes, but I want to give a shout out to Joey, who I sent, uh, I put posted that stat on on Twitter, and he actually gave me a shout out on the CJD broadcast. And I was like, dude, I'm not listening to the broadcast. I'm watching TSN. I was like, damn, maybe I should have been listening to the broadcast. Ah. <laughs> uh. Hey, listen, you got to get the word out no matter what, right? Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. So I don't know how he said it. I, I should have asked him. It's one thing we didn't do is we didn't ask him how I didn't ask him how he how he said it. So um, the game itself, which we didn't promote last week, uh, this game was the Alouette's 1000th regular season game in team history. The team was uh, 489, 489 and 21 since they had uh, since they had, you know, uh, become the Alouettes back in 46. But one of the cooler stats, too, is, as I mentioned about uh, that was brought up by Steve Daniel, the CFL statistician, is that the, the difference between the points for and the points against, the Alouettes were a plus two. That's crazy, <laughs> man. That's wow. crazy. <clears throat> you don't expect that when it, you know, I've heard of some, I've heard of some, some, um, you know, rivalries doing that, but that's just crazy. In their history, only a plus two difference in points. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, well, it goes. It, it's unbelievable because there's been some so many dominant Alouette teams, and there's been some Alouette teams that have just been terrible. I mean, a lot of people people nowadays, of course, have short memories and just assume that the Alouettes have always sucked for like the past, you know, twenty years. I'm like, no, they haven't. I'm sorry, it's only been the past couple of years where things have not been great. But, I mean. The, there's been some really strong Alouettes teams overall and high scoring, uh, low defense. I mean, it's hard to believe nowadays, folks, but there was a time when the Alouettes were one of the more dominant teams in the Canadian Football League. Now, if you go back several years, now I'm talking about like in the 60s into the 70s, those are some pretty bleak times too for Alouettes fans. But uh, 
it's amazing how all of a sudden things can change. Uh, a couple players here and there come in and you just go on a run. And that's what it was in the seventies. Like this team just became dominant. They, they became consistently good year after year. Uh, then they tailed off again into the eighties and then folded all together, came back in 96 and picked up more or less where they left off as far as being at least competitive, if nothing else. Yeah. And then just into the, uh, the Don Matthews era where things just, you know, started winning great. You start winning a great cup. You start appearing in the great cup at least uh, um, nearly every year. That almost became a foregone conclusion going to the great cup. I mean, that just seems outstanding just to think about it even nowadays. But uh, yeah, this this team by and large has always at least been very competitive more often than not. And again, now as we're going to, we're going into this new era for 2019, I'm really curious to see what, what's going to happen as far as how this team competes on and off the field. And to me, that's part of the excitement of football is, yeah, this one hasn't been the greatest season, but somehow it just takes one or two things to fall into place and boom, you're back into it. And that's pretty much what I love about the Canadian football league is you're never completely out of it. No matter what, no matter what the situation is presented before you, no matter what you think about what's going on in the, the front office, what's going on on the football field itself, uh, any number of reasons why things may look bleak, but seriously, all it really takes is just a couple just little things sometimes just to fall into place yeah. and it can go from worst to first in a flash. Yeah. And that to me is what makes the CFL so great. Yeah, it really does. Um, we've been doing it all, at least for most of this season, but before we get to our, uh, we bring Joey in here and we talk to him for a few minutes about the Alouettes. We got to give our grades for the game. I know it's, it's, this game was a little bit slightly different, um, than most of the games this year, you know, considering who Hamilton was playing, et cetera, et cetera. But we, we still want to at least, uh, you know, complete the, uh, complete the bingo, our bingo card and, and at least make sure that we do uh, uh, the last game of the regular season. So, uh, so Cliff, what would you, uh. Uh, when it comes to the offense, what would you what would you give uh, a grade uh, a game ending grade as? I would give it a solid B minus. Uh, I think again the the efforts from Geno Lewis to score those touchdowns. Uh, William Stanback was just a beast uh, with over a hundred all purpose yards. Uh, quarterbacks, I mean, most of the touchdown like well, so Johnny's touchdown to Geno was just fantastic. Uh, Pipkin's touchdown to Geno was even better. And then Pippen, of course, was able to dive in for a couple of touchdowns himself. So I think the offense, not great, but definitely consistent and definitely was able to click more often than not. So I will give them a solid B minus on that. I mean, they did score 30 points, uh, you know, four turnovers. Uh, it, to me, the, the huge thing was was second down where they were five of 17, which, you know, they, they scored 30 points and they only went five of 17 on second down. I, you know, for this game, even though they did score 30 points, I, I probably, I'm going to give them, I'm only going to give them a C plus in this one for the offense because, um, you know, it, they, yes, they won, uh, but there were still a couple, I think, a little bit of hiccups and a little, little bit of brain farts that, that they, they could have had more points. Uh, again, my point earlier about uh, at the end of the half and for some reason going for two, uh, unless there was an issue with, with our long snapper. But uh, what about, uh, what about defense for this game? Defense. Again, when you, you look at the fact that Hamilton was able to get their act together eventually, but for the most part of this game, the defense was pretty well on point. So, I'll, I'll, again, I will go B-minus with them as well because they didn't necessarily keep all the points off the field, but you saw, as I said, in the secondary 
was really starting to click, really starting to come together, really starting to force a lot of the turnovers. Uh, linebackers were still able to put the wood out and uh, and put some hurt down on some of these uh, Tiger Cats. I, I think this defense, there's something here. There really, truly is. And whether – I'm still not 100% convinced that Rich Stubler is the guy going forward. I still think – He's put a lot of the good pieces in place. He's he's definitely helped instill a lot of confidence in a lot of these guys and given youngsters an opportunity to shine when when their number is called. But I still find it's good, but it could be so much better. And I don't know. I I, I still think there's a lot of unanswered questions. And it's it's hard to believe that you're saying that after 18 games, that you still have unanswered questions. But that's kind of where things are now with the Alouettes. but overall, I think for the effort that they put in, and even though the, the score doesn't necessarily reflect that effort, I would still say a solid B- minus for, for this Alouette's defense this past Saturday. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at it too, and you know, only one sack, but Gregory got his first CFL uh, interception. Um, he, it looked like he was trying his damnedest to bring it back to the house. Um, I tell you what, podcast karma, folks. I mean, yeah. any players that are listening right now, I tell you, you come on the show, we give you the love, we give you the support, we back your play, and look what happens. <laughs> I'm telling you right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, but defense, I probably get. I would probably give probably a just right along a probably a, a B. I mean, they did give up quite a few yards passing. I mean, almost 500 total yards. But they did what they needed to do. Is really bend don't break type of thing. It's just that the offense, I think, was went a little stagnant in the second half. But yeah, I'd probably give them a better score than they would with the offense. Um, you know, considering the offense, you know, for, for year end, they ended up giving up 66 total sacks. Hey, good thing they didn't break their record. They came with a nine to, to tying their record, but in a single season. But yeah. Um, but again, uh, things can get better. We hope to. I'd love to bring back this this uh, uh, game day grade type of thing for next year, and uh, hopefully they'll they'll get more A's as the uh, 2019 season goes on. Uh, Cliff, before we do get to the second half of the show and our interview with uh, Joey Alfieri of TSN 690, I want to make sure that I give a shout-out to our presenting sponsor of Tarps Apparel Company. Uh, Tarps Apparel Company is a Canadian-made, Canadian-manufactured clothing company highlighting legendary athletes and their stories on vintage tees. Hey, but Cliff, these aren't your regular T-shirts. No, sir. They recognize what quality means. They use only high-end bamboo-based materials for their tees to create a thin, soft feel that is unmatched in sports in the sports clothing market. I know that we got our newest Alouettes tees from them, specifically Peter De La Riva, but they do offer more than just Peter De La Riva, don't they, when it comes to uh, uh, these CFL uh, legends? Absolutely. I, I believe all nine teams are represented by uh, legendary players. And again, if you're not a Peter Della Riva fan, well, shame on you. But uh, <laughs> if you're a fan of like whatever, no matter what team you're a fan of, and you can appreciate players that have given so much to this league, the, the ones that helped shape this league and make it for what it is. Uh, I'm talking names like uh, Angelo King Kong Mosca for the Hamilton Tiger Cats, Louis Pasaglia for the BC Lions. Uh, again, our, our, our guy, Peter Della Riva. Uh, Tony Gabriel from the uh, Ottawa Rough Riders. I mean, these are guys that have helped lay the foundation for the players that you see today. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't think of a better way to pay tribute to these men by buying these shirts. Because don't forget, a portion of the proceeds goes to help the Canadian Football League's uh, Alumni Association. So, 
again, you're you're indir- by buying these shirts, you're indirectly helping the players that helped entertain for so many years in the past and pretty much paved the way for guys that you're seeing today play in this league. So definitely give them a check out the website, mm-hmm. take a look. Uh, I mean, they definitely would appreciate your support. Uh, fantastic, fantastic material. Uh, great shirts. They, they look stylish. They look cool. You can wear them with just about anything. You, it's not just a football specific thing. I mean, like, these are shirts you can wear to just about anything and you blend right in. It's They're absolutely fantastic. High quality material, 100%. And yeah, I I can't say enough good things about this company. Yeah. So if you want to check out the shirts or if you want to buy one too, head over to tarpsapparel.com. That's T-A-R-P-S-A-P-P. A-R-E-L.com. And when you do, if you do contact them, make sure you let them know that the Alouettes Flight Deck sent you over there to uh, to buy a shirt. So, And again, we appreciate them uh, for, for sponsoring the show. That's the end of the Alouettes regular season, and we just wanted to chime in with one of the guys who was able to follow the, the team for most of the year. If you listen to any of the broadcasts on radio, whether it be TSN 690 or on CJD this season, you heard his voice, whether it be from the sidelines or from the booth with Rick Moffitt, Joey Alfieri. Welcome back to the pod. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. So um, I think it's, it's, we wanted to ask you a little bit about the, the game itself in, in Hamilton this past week. Um, you know, the Alouettes do end the season on a two-game winning streak, which is a huge plus considering where they were at this time last year. Um, I mean, two-game winning streak, who they beat specifically Toronto and Hamilton and how Hamilton was playing, you know, how much of the roster played. How much should Alouettes fans uh, look into these two wins uh, at the end of the season this year? Well, I mean, I think in terms of, um, you know, as a whole, as a team, I don't think you can really pull much from them. You know, it's nice to go into the, you know, into the off season with a couple of more wins under your belt. But I do think that you have to look more at the individual performances by some of the guys. Uh, than you do at uh, at this whole thing globally. Because it was a couple of years ago where, uh, you know, Jacques Chapelain took over and uh, they put Vernon Adams in at quarterback. They ended up winning three games in a row and they looked pretty good. And then, you know, it didn't really amount to anything the following year. So uh, I think the encouraging thing is that there's some players that kind of stood out, you know, like Will Stanback, uh, Eugene Lewis uh, stood out for the last couple of weeks. You know, some of the guys on defense uh, ended up making plays. I really like Greg Reed uh, that they threw in there at uh, defensive back over the last few games of the season. So, I mean, there's a couple of guys who, who stood out for the right reasons, and that's kind of what I'm looking at uh, more than, say, uh, oh, hey, the Owls won the last two games of the year. This means uh, big things for 2019. I, I wouldn't go that far. From what you saw, again, it's you really can't hang your head on the fact that there's two more wins this season than last season. But would you say other than just in the individual performances, would you say that there's hope still for Alouettes fans or is it really just uh, try to ride out this off season and see what's going to happen? No, I mean, I think there's definitely some hope. I mean, you, you look at it and they've kind of stabilized things at the quarterback position where, you know, unless, one of the big free agents this uh, this winter is willing to to come to Montreal. I think you you know you kind of have an idea of uh, who's going to be at camp, and I think you know Manzel uh, is better now than when he got here. Um, I think Pipkin is definitely better now than when he got here. I mean, even Vernon Adams played a solid game against uh, Edmonton in a losing effort at Molson Stadium earlier on in the year. Uh, Matthew Schultz, I mean, he just he missed too much time. 
uh, with injuries. And then when he got, when he did get healthy, I mean, he didn't really get to play very much. But if you remember at the beginning of the year, I mean, it was between Schultz and, and Drew Willie for the starting job. Uh, so, you know, you know that the Alouettes like him. Uh, Jeff Matthews is, you know, I don't, I don't think he's necessarily going to be in the running to, to start, but he's one of those guys that's in the film room early. Um, and he, you know, he stays late. So I think at, at that quarterback position, you've kind of, uh, you know, you've made it stable if we can put it that way, which, you know, means a lot, especially from, you know, where the Alouettes have been at that position. But look, I think if you look at it globally, there is some positives. Uh, it's just, I think they need to find, uh, you know, like what they found with standback at running back, they would have to find, to find one of those at least, um, at receiver. And they, you know, you, you're still missing some pieces, uh, on defense and, and, you know, up front on the offensive line, uh, I think the personnel isn't, you know, isn't awful. I think they just have to find a way to stay healthy uh, and keep the same group of five up front. So, yeah, I mean, look, there's a 5-1 team. There's uh, there's going to be holes on the roster, uh, but they need to have a big off season, and it doesn't even necessarily have to come in free agency. Uh, you know, I think you can just – you have to find, like, these Americans out of college or these NFL cuts that – uh, end up panning out, and you you got to get those guys on the cheap. So, look, there there's things to build around for sure. Is um, there work to be done? Yeah, definitely. But I think you you have to be feeling better today than you were, say, at this time last year. Oh no, kidding! Now you're talking about quarterbacks, Joey. And uh, the last two games, uh, the the quarterback situation on the field was actually very interesting, considering the amount of money that the Alouettes are paying and what they gave up to get Johnny Manziel. What was your what was your thought as a, as as the broadcaster seeing what the Alouettes did and splitting the time versus Toronto and then just basically giving Johnny Menzel what it uh, attributed to a uh, to a preseason preview in the last game versus Hamilton? I mean, is it? Uh, it, it I understand that that uh, Coach Sherman wants to give the quarterbacks a little bit of look, but then again, yes, we're at week 21, 20 and twenty one of the season. Wouldn't you rather see Johnny Menzel in a full game rather than having the other quarterbacks come in and, and split reps? No, you know what? I didn't mind it. I, I liked it. I liked that they gave these guys an opportunity to play because, um, you know, we did see Pipkin uh, for a little bit more than a month. And, you know, he, he played really well at times and he struggled at times. So I wanted to see some more. Uh, Pipkin before going into the uh, winter break. Uh, the same thing for Schultz. You know, I thought uh, we were going to see a lot of Matthew Schultz this year, and it just it didn't end up working out that way. Um, you know, I, I think they're all uh, works in progress, but I know, I, you know, I didn't mind it, and, and I think we saw, you know, we saw quite a bit of Johnny Manziel. We know where the strengths are, where the weaknesses are, mm-hmm. um, and we know where you know you kind of where he's going to have to work, what he's going to have to work on this off season. So. Um, I, I, you know, I didn't mind it. Honestly, I was, uh, I was glad to see that even, you know, even though uh, Pipkin hadn't played in a while, yeah, he missed some throws and he didn't make uh, all the great decisions in the world, but uh, he did make plays even though he hadn't played in quite some time. So that was encouraging to see. Uh, I think it'll be an interesting quarterback battle uh, going into training camp, but I do think it's going to be, again, unless, you know, Mike Riley, Paul Levi Mitchell, or Trevor Harris winds up in Montreal, which I really don't think is going to happen. I think it's Manziel's job to lose. Yeah. Now that we've reached the end of the season, uh, guys like John Bowman, Chip Cox, Luke Bredor Jordan, Stefan Logan, like these are guys that are not young men anymore. But uh, mm-hmm. just in talking with them uh, after the game, a lot of them still feel like they've they've actually still got some gas left in the tank. Uh, in your opinion, do you think these guys maybe they're just feeling that high from the you know the two game winning streak, or do you think really realistically? all or any of these guys come back next season? Uh, great question. I think, 
you know, I'm looking at it, and I think if you tell me you can only pick, you know, the the ones that I think can can still play. Uh, obviously, I think Bowman can still play. Um, and I know at times, like I know Chip Cox gets a bad rap because he does take bad penalties uh, every once in a while. And there's days where you know it looks like he can't keep up like he used to. But I thought Chip Cox finished the season. And I'm not going to say in style, but I thought he played really well down the stretch. I thought he made some plays uh, throughout the season. And, you know, just talking to him, I think it's it's going to be a different offseason for him. Because last year, I mean, at the end of the season, he wasn't even able to walk. Like, he played through some ridiculous injuries. Yeah. Um, and that's why I think he looked, you know, kind of finished at the time. Even I was like, oh, man, like, this guy doesn't have anything left in the tank. Um, but, uh, you know, he missed training camp this year. They kind of couldn't agree uh, on a new deal, but then by the time he came back, <clears throat> he was healthy, and, and it looked like he was a lot more comfortable and, and a lot more confident. Um, so uh, he was able to do some of the things that uh, we know him. You know, we know that he's able to do. He was uh, he was better in coverage. He was able to keep up. So uh, you know, I think for me, I think Bowman uh, and Cox can play on this team. It might be you know at reduced roles. I don't know if I want those guys playing uh, the same amount of snaps they did this year, but. Uh, I think those are the two guys that uh, you know that I'm willing to have back uh, with Luke. Uh, you know, Luke did a, a lot for the guy who was picked. You know, with the last pick in, the, in his CFL draft here. I mean, he had a really, really nice career, but he's had some significant injuries. Um, you know, I've been fortunate enough to to talk to him uh, over the years. I think he's a really, really sharp guy, and if they can find a way to get him on staff or you know just to keep him around, uh, I think they should do that. But I, I do think they need to look for a center. Uh, I'd like them to move Christian Matt back to guard and just get younger at the center position. Uh, and when it comes to Stefan Logan, I mean, uh, look, uh, the guy's been remarkably healthy throughout his career. I know that he missed some time uh, this season, but he came back rather quickly. Uh, but I just, I don't see the burst anymore. You know, I, I just, I think that um, at that position, you don't have the, uh, when you don't have the, the that twitch uh, speed, then I think you've got to look elsewhere. So that's the, you know, those two guys, I, I'm not sure. Uh, if they'll be back, you know, maybe they can help another team. You know, maybe Logan can go elsewhere uh, and be a, a veteran, you know, a mentor somewhere else. But I think the Alouettes, just given their situation, they've got to get a little bit younger uh, at the uh, kick return position. Now, this is probably going to be one of the most unique and strange off seasons that CFL fans and Alouette fans have seen in quite a long time. More specifically, of a lot of players were having just one-year contracts, basically because of the upcoming CBA negotiations. Um, mm-hmm. Joey, what, what's your thought on, because it looks like the Alouettes are going to have some pretty significant um, names that are going to be free agents this year. Um, first, what do you see as, do you think that m- many players will wait until there is some movement when it comes to getting close to a new contract? Or uh, or what or and then from there, uh, when it comes to uh, free agency, uh, who do you think the Alouettes have the best chance to retain? Yeah, uh, well, I mean, with the first part, I think the CBA expires closer to training camp. Yeah, uh, from what I understand. So I mean, I don't think players are going to wait till then to sign. I think guys are going to want to, you know, they're going to want to try to secure a deal. And I mean, we look, we talk lockout, we talk holdout every couple of years in the CFL. And at the end of the day, the reality is. These guys aren't making millions of dollars or, you know, most of them aren't making hundreds of thousands of dollars. So it's really hard for them to hold out. You know, these guys uh, need the income. Uh, a lot of these guys are on, you know, American guys are on fifty-five, sixty, seventy, eighty thousand dollars $80,000. And, mm-hmm. you know, by the time you've paid your rent, uh, by the time you've paid your groceries for the six months that you're up in Canada, I mean, even if you're really, really careful, 
it's tough to go back to the States in the off season. You've got to convert your dollars from Canadian to American. I mean, how much money is really left at the end of the day if yeah. you're making sixty, seventy, eighty thousand dollars So it's really hard for most of these guys to hold out. So I don't think there's going to be any holdouts. I don't think there's going to be any hiccup. You know, maybe they sign, uh, you know, closer to the date. But I, I really, I mean, I'd be surprised if they missed anything more than, you know, even a couple of days of training camp. I don't think, uh, I don't think it'll get to that point. Uh, but we'll see. Uh, when it comes to the Owls, I mean, look, uh, they definitely have a lot of free agents like everybody else. Like one of the players told me, like it seems like 75% of the league uh, is going to hit free agency yeah, this year. Yeah. Um, you know, when it comes when it comes to Montreal, I mean, I think they definitely want to keep guys like uh, Eugene Lewis, uh, B.J. Cunningham around. Uh, Philippe Gagnon is up as well. You know, I wonder if they can hammer something out there. Uh, he's coming off an injury. He struggled at times, played well at times, uh, but he was coming back from that torn ACL. Uh, missed a lot of last year, a lot of this year. Uh, so I'm curious to see how that negotiation goes. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think there, there's guys that they definitely want back. Uh, but then I think there's some other guys who, uh, who are going to hit free agency. You know, I think of a guy like Ernest Jackson, uh, the the signing was, you know, I understand the intentions by both parties, but this two-year deal was a total flop. You know, is it on is it on Ernest? Uh, is it on the quarterback situation? You know, maybe it's a little bit uh, on everybody. But I think uh, I think you look at it, and there's a lot of guys that the Alouettes are going to want to bring back. But I think that there's you know, there's some of these guys, some of these older guys that they're going to be more than comfortable enough to, to let walk. Yeah. Cliff, uh, by the way, quick question before, before I let Cliff take us home. Well, in your opinion, I know you've been and talked to some of the guys and you you followed the CFL long enough. I think, you know, you and I have talked about this too. In your opinion, mm-hmm. Joey, when it comes to the amount that you think that is a safe amount that the, C, that the CBA should be next year, what would be the maximum amount that you think that would be a fair amount for the players to say, uh, it, it seems to be pretty good? For a salary cap, yeah, mean? yeah. I mean, I still, I still don't understand how teams can field full rosters at five point one, five point two million. I mean, I, I'd like to believe that this new coach's salary cap means that uh, you know it's going to free up some money uh, elsewhere. But in reality, I mean, how much more money is it really going to free up for players? You know, CFL teams, most of them aren't making uh, millions and millions of dollars. Yeah. Um, so. I mean, I think we're going to be pretty much in the same range. You know, I think it'll be, you know, maybe 5.2, 5.3, you know, something okay. like that. I don't think it's going to, I don't think it's going to be, uh, you know, if you're asking me if I think it's going to jump up to like 6 million, I don't think so. I don't think it's going to go that high or, you know, even 5.7, 5.8, I'd be stunned if it went that high. So I think you'll be uh, right around the same neighborhood, uh, maybe a little bit more. Interesting. Yeah, because I know, as I said, and I know if I, I've mentioned this to you before, I, I, my thought is, Especially with what the, and I know it's only a first year that we've seen what happened with other spring leagues and stuff like that, and especially when they pop up, you know, with, with what the AAF is actually offering and what the, what, the, um, uh, what the XFL could offer if they do come around in 2020, I think maybe the CFL should get ahead of it a little bit. And I think maybe at max, you know, if it's a five-year contract, maybe they do get up to that $6 million mark. Uh, I said it's, that would be tremendous. Yeah, I think it's just yeah, yeah that just, would be great. Yeah, just money to, to keep these players here to be able to bring some players, you know, raise the minimum salary a little bit and, and whatnot. So, uh, well, Joey, uh, you, you've seen what's gone on this year with the Alouettes. Uh, looking forward to 2019. Uh, there's talk of a new era, so to speak, uh, with uh, new uniforms and a possibly a new direction. Uh, Give us your thought. I know it's early still, but uh, do you think this current administration, as it sits right now, 
is going to be joining this quote unquote new era? Or do you think there's going to be some tweaks or do you think there's going to be a complete overall altogether? I think there'll be tweaks. I don't think they're going to do anything drastic uh, this year. I think they're going to give, you know, this group of, uh, of coaches, well, this coaching staff or Mike Sherman anyway, you know, I think they'll give him another opportunity. I think they'll give Davis Reed another opportunity. And, and, you know, this might be it. This might be the year where you've got to have success or, or it's going to cost jobs. Um, so I think there was just enough positive momentum uh, towards the uh, towards the end of this season that uh, everybody gets to keep their, their job again. And, I, and look, honestly, I really don't think that's a bad thing. You know, I know Kavis Reed gets a bad rap. Uh, but, uh, you know, the reality is, I mean, he, he has made uh, some good moves. And, you know, some moves haven't necessarily worked out. But, you know, people have to keep in mind that he didn't exactly inherit a Ferrari here. You know, like this is he, he inherited a car that needed a lot of work mm-hmm. and still needs a lot of work. Uh, but, you know, three years um, you know, you should see some type of progress in three years. And I think we've seen a little bit of progress from last year to this year. Um, but I think, you know, the odds are going to have taken the next step uh, when it comes to uh, when it comes to, you know, the pushing for a playoff spot and getting close to making the playoffs at the very least. If um, if uh, all these guys get to, uh, you know, if, if they get to stick around longer than uh, 2019. But I do think there's going to be some sort of tweak. I mean, just with the. Uh, with the salary cap for the coaches now, I mean, you you have to think that uh, somebody or some people are, are not going to be back. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I think there'll be tweaks. You know, I think you'll see, you know, maybe uh, some little changes or additions to the front office. Uh, maybe you see, uh, you know, some tweaks on the coaching staff. But I think the, you know, the, the primary guys are going to be back. Uh, we, we really do appreciate your time this entire uh, season, Joey. We know you've been... Uh, as I said, he gone from the sideline into the booth now, and uh, we're, we're, we love hearing you on the radio and talk about Owls, Owls football. Uh, if people want to watch, uh, check you out on social media, hear you on the radio, where can they do that? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, TSN six ninety, you can hear uh, you can hear me there every day uh, between three and seven now, and uh, and you can find me on social media on Twitter at Joey Alfieri, on Instagram at Joey underscore Alfieri, and uh, you just type my name in on Facebook. You can send me a friend request, or you can like my page, and uh, I'll accept a friend request if you like my page even better. Again, uh, thanks for Joy for joining us multiple times uh, this uh, this regular season on the podcast. Uh, it's great to get some insight from a guy who's on the sideline and who, uh, who recently has been in the uh, the booth doing color commentary with uh, Voice of the Alouettes, Rick Moffat. Um, but yeah, it's uh, interesting his take on, on what's what the Alouettes did this season and uh, uh, what's coming up this off season. Oh, without question. Uh, you know, we definitely appreciate Joey joining us uh, throughout the season. Uh, he's always appreciate his insight, his takes, his look at uh, you know, sort of likes to pull the curtain back a little bit and lets lets us fans see what uh, what's going on behind the scenes a little bit, which is absolutely fantastic. So, again. Thanks to him for joining us this season, and uh, we're definitely looking to having him back on for many more. A uh, couple other things, the more uh, news-related stuff for the Alouettes that uh, that came across this just this past week. Um, one of the first things that the and we mentioned it a little bit on the show last week, kind of broke the information before the Alouettes released the press release later on last week, is that the Alouettes did finally officially announce Cliff that they are going to be. Uh, reconfiguring the stadium to make it a little bit more um, uh, cozy for fans um, and reducing the the overall um, capacity to just over 20,000. Um, 
uh, first, from when you, I know you and I have been talking about it before, but when you finally saw the official announcement coming from the Owls, uh, did anything stand out from the press release that they sent out? Nothing in particular. I mean, I, I understand why they would want to streamline things because, yeah, this the past couple of years have not been kind to the Alouettes and the box office. So I, it, it kind of takes a bigger man to admit that you've maybe maybe things aren't working as well as you'd hope them to be. So now you got to find a way to help keep continue and enhance that stadium experience for people. And the Alouettes have tried numerous things to try and get people into the stadium and get them excited while they're in there. And it's been middling results at best, to be honest with you. Um, so I think now if they're taking a look at what's going on for 2019 and they're saying to themselves that, okay, we sometimes got to take a step backwards to move forwards. And I think that's what this is, is go back to when this team was really successful and Percival Molson Stadium was really rocking. It was 20,000 fans, which isn't very much. No. But when the stadium was full and people were hyped up and they were loud – it still made for a very entertaining experience. And I think that's what they're hoping to get back to is that get a good product on the field and consistently win, you will pack the stands. And I think by doing this and almost creating that sort of demand that if this team does get, get, get its act together on the field and starts winning more games, you're going to create that demand. You're going to get people excited. Like, Oh, I got to go see an Alouettes game now because now they're winning. And I want to be a part of that. Yeah. So eventually that will lead to those seats that are now being that are now being closed off. I have a feeling this if this team can start winning on a consistent basis again, those seats will open up fast because you want you want butts in the seats no matter what. Oh, for sure. For sure. You you want you want this team to succeed and you on and uh, on the field and also at the box office. You want people buying tickets mm-hmm. whether it's season tickets or even just single game walk up tickets, like you want people in the stadium no matter what. So, really truthfully though, the only way you're going to get that is this team has to win. So that has to be the focus too. Like it's great to announce that you've you know, sort of streamlined things a little bit for the time being, but this has to be a temporary thing. You cannot make this permanent. The goal here has to be build a better football team that's going to win and win constantly. So that you have no choice but to open up those seats that were once considered uh, uh, misbegotten, if you will. Exactly. Exactly. So the, the new capacity at Percival Molson will be at 20,025. According to the team, it, it's, uh, it will increase the inventory of affordable tickets by 10%. As a result, 9,000 seats at $59 or less will be available in total, which represents 45% of the stadium capacity. In addition, a good number of of season uh, ticket holders will have the opportunity to move their seats toward the middle section of the, of the stadium and the at the same price as their actual seats. And that's one thing I can attest to. By the way, we are looking to get the Alou- uh, representative from the Alouettes on the podcast to explain a little bit more what the, uh, the Alouettes are going to be offering in 2019. Um, it is in the works. We just couldn't get anything um, uh, by broadcast time this week. Um, I, you know, and by the way, I can't say that with my season tickets, they basically have stayed status quo. Uh, you know, if, if you've been following me, you know that I sit in section Y1 and, uh, I said they've stayed status quo this year. So, uh, one of the few things that I want to mention real quickly before, cause a little bit more of this topic that I want to talk about Cliff, um, is that one of the main things that I'm really curious to know about is that the Alouettes have actually added a different tier to your, if depending on how long that you had your season tickets uh, with the Alouettes. 
And what they have done is that they have added, because uh, this year I think I was a, what was I this year? I was a legend, legend status. This is, I've had season tickets for, for 22 years. Uh, they've actually added a new status, which is called the all-star status for anybody who's had their tickets, I think, for 21 years or more. And what they've done, Cliff, is that anybody who's had their tickets for this for that long, and I'm curious to know more about this, is that those season ticket holders that have had those tickets for that long and will continue to do so with the team, they're going to get their names on the wall of fame. The wall. I'm trying to find the actual terminology of what they're using here. But yeah, uh, I, you're. I think that's cool. <laughs> I can't complain about that, dude. Continue. No, that that's very cool. Here it is, benefits. Benefits. I'm trying to find its uh, recognition. There we go. Yeah. So the the name of the uh, I, I and anybody else who's had their tickets for 21 or more years will have the Hall of Fame status and will get their name on the Hall of Fame wall in the stadium. I'm curious to know what that means because you know before when they were building the stadium, Cliff. You know when you first come in on the is it the east end zone, the east uh, the east uh, entrance. Yep. Uh, there's that wall there where you, when you bought your, when you bought a brick like they did over, over at the at the Bell Center, you got your name on the wall. I'm mm-hmm. curious to know what the team's gonna, how the team's gonna do this. That that's one of the few things that actually does intrigue me. And, and once we do get them on the show, uh, hopefully we'll be they'll be able to explain it a little bit more. And uh, any of you who've had your season tickets for that long, uh, this will be one hell of a perk. Absolutely, especially if uh, people that were thinking of maybe maybe not renewing because the team hasn't been all that good. I'm wondering if this is uh, if this is the thing that's going to maybe convince them that hey maybe I should still invest in this team maybe I should still be a part of the experience uh, at Personal Molson Stadium so yeah I, I'm curious myself too now now that you've mentioned this to see how this is going to play out now one the one last thing I wanted to talk about when it comes to the recon uh, the reconfiguration of the stadium is uh, there were a lot and Cliff you'll attest to this one. There were a lot of people on social media and on fa- and Facebook and Twitter. They're just just blasting this the, the team for for making the reduction in seats because it basically brings them to a point where they are at pre two thousand two thousand ten levels where they expanded the stadium to add the extra five thousand seats. I'm going to say an extra quote unquote five thousand seats. And I and I and I do that and I'm saying that on purpose. Because I think what a lot of people need to, are tending to forget is that the stadium in itself, before the expansion, yes, it held 20,000, was 20,202 uh, before the expansion, but that's not what the, what the amount was when it came to, uh, to permanent seats. Because remember, we've had our changes. We've had the fan zone added. Remember, East and West End Zones Cliff did have seats for the longest time. Ever since, I think, uh, I think they were there since 90, 90 uh, when we first came over in 90, 97. Mm-hmm. They, were, they were there. So I reached out to, and I did some, some research. And uh, by the way, thanks, uh, thanks lots to, to Charles over in the Alouette's office for getting me this information. And, and as it's really just to make a point to a lot of these naysayers. So basically at that time, as we know, they, 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 the two temporary sections, um, the, Al- the Alouette's in stadium actually only had 17,374 seats prior to 2010. So even though stadium capacity was at 20,202, there were 2,800 temporary seats in this stadium, Cliff. Right. Uh, And then after the renovations, it just wasn't the addition of 6,046 seats. It was 6,046 
permanency. But what people need to understand is that there were some different, there were some changes. They removed seats in the south end, the, the south stands to add the new upper deck. Mm-hmm. But and but people are saying, well, Tim, you, you bought all, you, they spent all this public money to do this just to, to just now to remove five thousand seats. All I really need to say is, if, and I said, you may be sure, maybe you're being trolls. Maybe you're just saying this just to say it, just just to just to slag and, and to slam the Alouettes more, just because they're down. All I've got to say is, get you know, get your asses out of the sand, you know, and yeah, usually your head, but this time it's your ass. Yeah. Um, you need to understand that with the, the what they did is that if it were not for the expansion and the renovations to Percival Molson, this team would not be here. And obviously, a huge thanks to you too. That that's another thing too. <laughs> Because with what they did and in, in, with the renovation itself, not only did they put the permanent seats in, uh, the permanent ones under the uh, under the giant screen, uh, they also uh, renovated some of the sections. They also redid the press box, the PA box, other boxes. They added the loges, and also do not forget the locker rooms were redone. Storage was recreated, and. Uh, obviously, I think it came to infrastructure also in being able to put some in order to put up this new upper deck. So I think really you need to get your 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 heads out of the sand and look at it from a, a total perspective for this team. Considering again that the stadium never had really twenty thousand seats to begin with, permanent seats to begin with prior to twenty ten. So. I think it's just I think it's just frustrating. As I said, I think people are just looking to to bring the owls down the more they more they could this year, considering where they are and how they've been for the past four years. Sometimes changes need to be made. So people may be calling me a homer. I don't care. I think the main thing is that the information is out there, whether you believe it or not. Whether you think it's a uh, it's a it's something that will sway your won't sway you. I don't care. I'm just telling you the truth. Without these things, the owls would not be here. Do you remember, Cliff? How many people the Alouettes drew to the cavernous Big O in 1996? Oh, I definitely remember that. I definitely remember looking out there and seeing, if I'm being generous here, six, 7,000 fans? Yeah, they averaged 9,500 their first year back. Yeah. If it wasn't for uh, the wet and all, and for you too, and for these renovations, I can almost guarantee you, Cliff, that this team would, and you and I would not be talking about it today because the team would not be here. No, you're absolutely right. Is we we, we would have gone the ways of the original Rough Riders. We would have gone the ways of the Renegades. We would have gone away, uh, gone the way of many a US, a CFL USA team. Mm-hmm. No, it again. It's as as I was saying before. It seems to be the cool thing to do now is just to slag the Alouettes for everything they do on and off the field. And fine, so be it. But you said it yourself with everything that you presented, and I'll even quote. Uh, Friend of the show, David Sanchez. Men lie, women lie, but numbers don't lie. And the numbers you showed, you just gave us right now, that's that says it all. I mean, this this team and ownership has done a lot to keep Montreal football as relevant as possible and to make it prosperous. And again, this this comes back to everything I've been saying is that if you want this team to be successful. It has to put a winning product out yes. there because yeah. you will fill those seats, whether exactly. they're the, tempor- the temporary seats, permanent seats. I don't care. And, and that's win, one thing we want to ask. We want to ask the team is that if if there is a demand and the team is doing well, 
will they open up these these tarp duffs or whatever they're going to do? That's one thing we have to find out too. These sections, will they open them up? Oh, they have to. They have to, Tim. It, it, don't don't look a gift horse in the mouth. Don't look. Don't don't let money get away if you can't. Right. That's what you're saying. Pretty much. And again, like this team, supposedly, depending on who you ask, they they're losing millions of dollars per year, and you know there's certain decisions money wise that are questionable at best. So like, okay, well then again, if you have a chance to make all this money that you're supposedly losing, I, I think the team would be just absolutely crazy. Not to not to do that, especially if they do f- magic find that magic formula, that winning formula that gets the fans back in the stands. Absolutely, like yes, you want to create a demand, you want to create a buzz, you want people saying, "Oh man, I've got to go get LOS tickets because this team is good, and I want to watch them live." It's going to happen. I, I, you put a winning football team up together, you get fans excited, they will buy tickets again. I, I can promise you that. Yeah. Um, moving on. Hey, Cliff, uh, the uh, CFL announced the Eastern All-Stars today, and uh, we were lucky enough to have uh, uh, three members of the 2018 Alouettes on that list. And uh, who were they? Well, that would be uh, the legendary John Bowman, uh, the legend in making of Hinak Mwamba, and a bit of a surprise for me on this one, Brandon Dozier. Yeah. I say this because I, and not to put Brandon down or anything like that. He has been a very solid player on defense this season. Uh, I just don't know if what he's done, I would necessarily make him an all-star, but he has really come into his own. He has been a very solid contributor for this defense. Uh, there's been a couple of times though, where I felt he's kind of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? He's kind of overextended himself and kind of got caught up in, in things. But I guess by and large, he's he's put some solid numbers together, and he has looked really good. Like he's like one of these guys that I definitely see in the next two three years can be a star of the future. Like I can definitely see him being a household name if things continue to progress the way they have been for him. Yeah. So again, we we know what to expect from John Bowman. We know he he he's willed himself this year to be a fantastic player. Hinak Mwamba, we know he's always been good. But I mean, it really, really stood out this year. Like he has been a absolute force for this Alois defense, and I've said it on numerous occasions. One of the few bright spots on this team has been Hinak Mwamba. So I'm not surprised to see him get the accolades that he so richly deserves. Yeah. But Brandon Dozer, I, I was a very pleasant surprise because, yeah, I, I just I, I thought he was good, but I didn't know if he was all star good. But now that he is, again, I major props to him. Uh, I hope he takes note of this i hope he doesn't just slough it off as luck or anything like that i hope he realizes that other people are watching him and think highly of him so hopefully that's going to up his game even more for 2019 so again congratulations to these all three of these guys uh they've definitely proven their worth and uh just goes to show that while this hasn't been the best season for the alouettes at least we can say the defense there's uh there's definitely a lot to like here so props to these guys again and uh Let's hope it uh, continues on to next season. It was John Bowman's eighth selection as an all-star. It's actually his uh, his third in a row and his, uh, wow, fifth, sixth, wow. Either way, the best way to put it, he was an all-star 09, 2010, 2012, 2013, 2014, 2016, 2017, 2018. Uh, let's, we, we know we've heard the talk. Let's hope it's not his last, but if it is, he's, the dudes, especially what he did this year, the dude's a beast. He knocked Moamba. I had actually forgotten that he had gotten one in 2013. So it's his second selection, so 2013 and 2018. And Brandon Dozier, it's his first. 
Um, so congrats, guys. Uh, you know, it wasn't a very good season overall when it comes to, you know, basically a lot of stuff on, on the field, but uh, you got the recognition, um, the recognition that you deserved from the uh, Football Reporters of Canada. Um, also, very interesting, and I think this really surprised a lot of us because this came really out of left field, Cliff. It was announced, was it just after the game or on Saturday? On Sunday, on Sunday during uh, uh, Clean Out Your Locker Day, that the Alouettes are going to be bidding, and they did it at, they went to Toronto this past Tuesday. The Owls are going to be bidding, Cliff, for the 2020 Grey Cup. Hmm. Now, the Alouettes haven't had the Grey Cup since uh, 2008. So, uh, it's, it's been a long time since the Alouettes have held one, considering this is a, a nine-team league. What, what's, your, what's your thoughts on this, Cliff, with them? Uh, uh, they're up against uh, some stiff competition. Um, but I, I think it's, it's, it's about time to bring back the game for hopefully multiple games in the Eastern Division. But uh, um, what, what's your thought when you heard about them uh, making a bid for the 2020 Grey Cup? I was a little surprised, to be honest with you, because of this whole kerfuffle as far as the stadium roof goes. At Olympic Stadium, for those of you who aren't aware, I'm sure we've mentioned it numerous times, but uh, the 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 roof that's on Olympic Stadium right now is not a per- well, it's a permanent one, but it's not the most structurally sound one. Despite the uh, Olympics Installation Board sinking millions upon millions upon millions of dollars into the stadium itself, the roof is still very suspect when it comes to inclement weather. There's always the fear that if there's more than five inches or five centimeters, I can't remember I think which. It's five centimeters, I think. I think. Okay, if there's more than that, then there's a very po- good possibility that the roof. The structure is not going to be there, and uh, God forbid there's a Grey Cup game going on with sixty thousand plus fans in the stands, and the roof of the Olympic Stadium collapses during a game. That's always been a huge, huge concern, and one of the major reasons why Montreal has not put up a bid for hosting a Grey Cup game. So when they announced that they were actually going for the twenty twenty game, I was very surprised. So it leads me to believe that. Maybe they know something we don't know as far as uh, what's going on with the Olympic Installations Board because unless they found a magical way to keep snow off the roof or maybe they're banking on the fact that the season is going to be moved up so that the game is played more towards early November as opposed to late November and trying to avoid the snow altogether. I'm not sure, but uh, if that's the case, then the possibility of having a great cup game in Montreal is very much alive and well. And I know there was... Automatically, there was going to be competition from Saskatchewan, who's looking to host at New Mosaic Stadium. Uh, there's still a lot of clamoring for Hamilton to host a Grey Cup because they haven't hosted one since 1996, yeah. if you can believe that. Yeah. yeah, They've got a brand new stadium, and it's supposedly all of their legal issues at regarding Tim Hortons Field and uh, the city of Hamilton. Apparently, that's all been squared away. So now the, they've more or less got the green light to try and land a major event like the Grey Cup. Uh, so... Yeah, for Montreal to all of a sudden throw their hat into the ring, I was a little a little surprised to hear that because I, I just had gotten used to the idea that as long as the the roof's an issue, and unfortunately you just cannot play this Grey Cup game at Percival Molson Stadium. It's just not feasible whatsoever. So it's pretty much Olympic Stadium or bust when it comes to hosting a Grey Cup in Montreal. Uh, yeah, so I as soon as I, I heard this news, I thought, wow, that's that's really something. That's very. Uh, very headstrong, if you will, for this mm-hmm. administration to even entertain the notion of hosting a great cup. So my guess, as I said, they must know something we don't know as far as the 
some sort of plan as far as being able to take the roof into consideration at Olympic Stadium. If they can make it work, I'm all for it because let me tell you, there's no party like a Grey Cup party. And the idea of all of our friends coming to visit us yeah. at our home, that's hella cool. And I'd be all for that. So would I like to see a Grey Cup in Montreal? Hell yeah, I would. Oh, yeah. So if if they've managed to find some magical way, if even if they get like 20 guys up on the roof, I guess, with brooms to keep snow off, maybe that's their, their great plan. Who knows? But uh, the idea that the Alouettes are serious about wanting to host a Grey Cup here in Montreal again, and if they can do it for 2020, that would be really awesome. I'd be, I, I'm on board for that 100%. What I'm thinking too, when I heard about it is, we know that, that Percival Molson, I mean, what expansion can you do at Percival Molson, even if it's temporary to, to have a great up there? Because I don't think you'd even reach what they did in, in Ottawa. Um, for for the Grey Cup when they added the the temporary seats there because it's just so because li- with it being on the mountain there's just so few places that you could put put the extra seats. Um, uh, the only thing I can think of is that maybe the league is really seriously thinking of upping the season. You know, maybe making it two weeks earlier, maybe making it three weeks earlier. I don't know because if if that's the case, that would actually put a a, a positive spin and a, a a plus to the to the Montreal bid. Um, by the way, I did confirm actually almost a year ago, there was a story uh, that was published in the Globe and Mail uh, talking about a new roof that the, uh, that they wanted to put on the stadium that, and the maximum is actually three centimeters, three centimeters maximum on the stadium roof Mm. before there's a quote unquote issue. Okay. So, um, but but, but I'd love it. I'd love to have the, the game back here again. It's been a long time. I don't mind traveling to the other cities, but yeah, I agree with you. Being able to host the Grey Cup here and having all, the, all our friends here, whether it be uh, uh, you know friends from across the country or, or our brethren over at the uh, CFL Pod Network, hey, why not? But it's it, we'll see what happens. But something they did, they just just they may know something that we don't know, and you know our speculation may be dead on. We'll find out because if the, if the league does up the season or push it back, rather, you never know. It's true. I mean, in theory, snow could happen anytime. But I mean, I'm again, we're. It, basically the first week of November right now and I'm looking out my window here in Montreal and there is not a, a single flake of snow anywhere so in theory if you were to bump the game up two weeks and play it in mid-November there's a very very good chance there'd be no snow whatsoever and even though we all remember last year in Ottawa just how cool it was to see the snow falling down at TD Place it made for a great visual on TV but Again, you're playing inside a dome. You wouldn't even see the snow anyway, so it's yeah. pretty much a non-factor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, it, it's really it's, we're the only closed dome in the, in the CFL now, technically. Uh, well, Te- yes and no. Technically, well, technically, technically, because you know with BC Place, I mean, I, I'm trying. It have to be really, really cold for it to snow in BC, <laughs> especially at Grey Cup time. Um, pretty much. Uh, yeah. So, um, before we f- finish up and let you guys go uh we want to make sure that we remind you that we are on social media there are multiple places where you can find us uh you can go specifically to our twitter account that's at alouettes fl deck and you can find us over on facebook at alouettes flight deck now if you wanted to find any of the uh archived shows or most recent shows from the from us here at the alouettes flight deck multiple places where you can do that also Best place is to head over to www.alouettesflightdeck.ca or you can head over to iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, or Spotify. 
Now, one of the things we wanted to talk about before we finish up is what happened today in Halifax. And uh, Cliff, I know you and I talked about this just a little bit, but uh, for those who, anybody, for any CFL fans who or Alouette fans who happen to be living under a rock today, uh, give us a synopsis of what happened today. Well, uh, the league or the the Maritime Football Project, if you will, I forgive me if I don't have the exact name of it right, but the basically the ownership potential ownership group for the CFL's tenth franchise in Halifax uh, basically came out today and said that they want to they want to see how serious people are, and they've announced a season ticket drive. So they want to see who all is serious about wanting to have season tickets for a, a, a CFL team in Halifax. So they've basically asked fans to put down a ten dollar or sorry a fifty dollar deposit for future season tickets, and in doing so, you would also get to participate in naming the next CFL franchise. Oh, okay. And as of as of right now, four names are being bandied about, but they have also said that as a uh, investor if you will in season tickets you would have the opportunity to suggest another name and if more more people suggest that name then they would certainly take that into consideration uh as it stands right now though the names that are being considered are the halifax schooners which everybody pretty well expects as they were as supposed to be an actual team in halifax many moons ago Bam, but uh 86 86 i think when they got the conditional franchise actually i think it was 84 84 okay I believe they were supposed to start the 84 season, and then just before preseason, they just ceased operations. Okay, okay. And back then, it was a stadium issue also. But anyways, continue. But yeah, but that team, had they gone through, would have been the Schooners, and a lot of people want still want that team to come back, basically, and be the 10th franchise. Uh, other names that have been suggested have been the Atlantic Storm, uh, the Atlantic Convoy, and the Atlantic Admirals. Huh. So... I, I have to admit, I was a little taken aback by the suggestion of convoy, and it was brought to my attention that convoy would, of course, mean like a like a battalion of boats, basically. Oh, and okay, 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 okay. I, I get it now. Yeah, like there, like there's a nautical theme to it, pretty much, uh, uh, like like there would be for admirals and uh, storm too, because. The Navy does go out in storms, <laughs> I guess. But uh, no, I, think, yeah. I, I think that's actually more representative of what comes into Halifax as far as weather. True. The Atlantic True. storm. Because, you know, unlike most places in Canada, uh, unfortunately, the Maritimes, when it comes to hurricane season, most people don't think of hurricanes being that much of a big deal to, to Canada. But the, the Atlantic provinces seem to always get slammed with those infamous hurricanes, those, those Atlantic storms. Mm-hmm. So. No, so it's a it would be an appropriate name as well. But uh, to be honest with you, I'd be I'd be floored if anything but Schooners ends up winning this contest. Uh, it would have to be a, a phenomenal name to to replace it, just because every year at Grey Cup they the they have this down east uh, kitchen party they call it, and they actually still sell Atlantic Schooners jerseys if you can believe that. Nice. Uh, nothing official, but they look official. Like yeah. that's the cool part about it is they've got the CFL logo, they got all this stuff. So they must have had some sort of licensing deal, and they actually you can actually buy a, a quote unquote Atlantic Schooners jersey, which is hilarious. But again, the, you can tell that there's such a groundswell for that particular name, and ask people league wide. And I've seen a lot of polls lately of what you'd like to call the team, what should this team be called in Halifax, and. The overwhelming answer is this has to be the Atlantic Schooners. Like you have to represent the entire maritime region, 
so that's why Atlantic makes the most sense. And again, like the schooner name, just it it speaks to so many people. Like this team never actually got off the ground, really truly, but there's still a a sentiment for it. There's still people that harken back to that time. And just how cool would it be to have ten teams in the Canadian Football League, and one of them has to be out in the out in the Maritimes. And now that with this group is is moving forward with their stadium, it looks like uh, if they can get the money right with the government and everything like that, like there's a good possibility we could see shovels in the ground next year with the hope that the stadium would open by 2021. And in which case, uh, based on how well this uh, season ticket drive goes, if, if there's, I, I think the interest is there. I think that more than enough people are willing to put down their 50 bucks and say, yes, I want to be a part of this. When this team comes build the stadium, we will fill it. And if that's the case, then be excited, folks, because this has been the dream for a lot of fans for a long, long time is to have 10 teams in this league, five teams in each division. Uh, man, I, I'd i be excited, too. And we've talked about it, too, Tim, going to Halifax to watch not just an Alouettes game, but to go watch a great cup oh, in Halifax. Man, that would be that would be a job. Oh, man, the party on that one. <laughs> oh, man. There's I, I'm so tell- much to Halifax to love. I've, I've been there a couple of times. I've been to the Maritimes. Just It's beautiful i know a lot of canadians have not been out to the atlantic provinces and i still haven't been to all of them but it's just yeah the what ifs cliff if this thing gets built if this thing gets approved and built and it's like oh i can just only imagine you know that'd be you know if i think if we didn't live where we do cliff i would put down 50 bucks just alone just to to put my name on on the season ticket list but you know what hey flex packs besides the alouettes games I I think I'd be down for that. It would be interesting. I listen. You have again being a divisional opponent, so to speak. You know the Owls would go there at least once a year, possibly twice. I can see myself making that road trip no, with no problem. I could see the team even if they they do another fan plane. Oh yeah. I, I mean they they do fan or even a fan train is not so unusual. No, it's a little bit longer to get there by train, but yeah, I, I would I would I would be up for that too. But you think about it, like, especially if you did it like Labor Day weekend, for example. Like, I know the the odd Mac idea would be to do uh, Ottawa, Montreal for Labor Day. But God forbid you ever do like a long weekend of sorts. Like, to go down to Halifax by train, you party it up with the Alouettes, you go watch a football game. You're, you're partying with not just fellow Alouettes fans, but also going and meeting like Halifax fans. Oh, yeah. I tell you that. That would kick all kinds of ass, let oh, me yeah. tell you. Yeah, I agree with you on that one. And I think a lot of fans, too, from other cities, just for the the, the sheer curiosity factor, whether their team would organize a, a charter trip or anything like that, I think a lot of fans would just pick up and say to themselves, you know what? I want to go. I want to go see the Calgary Stampeders play in Halifax. I want to see the Ottawa Red Plaques play in Halifax, or whatever your team is, to go and be a part of that, to see that for the first time. I think there's going to be huge, huge interest in that. And I think if the league can get the, get this right, promote it properly, and just get people excited, not just the people in Halifax but, and in the Maritime region, but also fans league-wide, country-wide, if you will, nationwide, yeah. get them excited for the idea of being able to go watch the CFL in Halifax. I'm telling you, this this is a win all day long. Yeah, and, and it will be staying in the news because would you believe, Cliff, that the, they are actually going to be announcing the name of the Halifax, excuse me, of the Maritime football team. They will be naming it as of on the twenty fourth at the uh, at the at the, um, the this this the Atlantic Schooners breakfast. 
that was also announced today. So, hey, two weeks, three weeks, just over. But that's on the 24th. They're going to announce what the team will be, and I guess from there it'll be it'll it'll go from there. So hopefully we'll hear some more news about that. So yeah, I know to tell you what, folks. Like the if you've ever gone to Grey Cup and go to the parties, I mean the, the down I think it's called the down home or down east kitchen party. Yeah, that's it. That's it. They it, it's such a a rocking time. It, it's so much fun, and the fact that you're going to have this potentially major announcement happening live during Grey Cup week. I mean, I, I tell you right now, like. If tickets aren't sold out for this, I guarantee they're going to get snapped up fast. I think people will want to be a part of this. This is going to be a historic moment for Canadian football fans. Yeah. And to have it take place at Grey Cup, what better place? What better way to announce, hey, if this if this thing's a go, get ready to cheer for your Atlantic, fill in the blank. Exactly. So we'll find out. Find out on the 24th. So. Uh, we, this is not the last show of the, of the year for us here at the Alouette's Flight Deck. Uh, just, we do have, I said, we do have a couple more things that we do have scheduled that we're trying to work out for the next couple of weeks. Uh, we're going to try to go all the way through to the end of, of Grey Cup. Um, even though the Alouettes are not participating in the playoffs this year. Um, but uh, again, we have a lot more in store. We hope we're able to bring it to you over the next couple of weeks uh, and hopefully some 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 surprises. So uh, so stay tuned. We will be around. Uh, we will be around for the next couple of weeks. So uh, Cliff, I know I'll be seeing you soon because we've got to get that sweet, sweet picture of us in our new Peter De La Riva jerseys, uh, shirts, um, by our, our our great sponsor, um, so I hopefully we'll, we'll we'll talk off air and we'll get together soon. But uh, uh, enjoy the week, my friend. It's it's playoff football in the CFL. Yeah, even though our team's not in it, I I think these uh, the two games that are coming up, the Eastern semifinal and the Western semifinal, I think those are going to be some very very exciting games. And we've even got some former Alouettes that are going to be participating too. So we'll we'll keep tabs on them. We'll see how they end up doing and. Uh, We'll see uh, who goes on to the, uh, the Eastern and Western Finals. Yep. So for everybody here at the Alouettes Flight Deck for Cliffy D, I'm Tim Capper. We're on Final Approach. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.